My number one advice for people would be don't take remote jobs. You're not able to punch above your weight. We pay you X to do X and you never get really much insight into anything outside of this transactional nature. Meeting someone in, in the bathroom while you're taking a piss next to each other. Wine Wednesday happy hour. Or even taking an extra shift for no reason. Uh, getting to know the customers more than normal. You work at a hardware store, walk the person out to the car and try and get two minute conversation every day. So it's like, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Callum Johnson show. I'm Callum. Today we got my guy, Tyler Schmidt. What's good, bro? Dude, thanks for having me. <laughs> we need a short table. Uh, right? <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Okay, cool. You know what? I'm going to start with a little, I guess, an anecdote. Uh, so obviously we spoke before this and we're talking about like, what, like, what do we want to discuss? Like, what do we want this to be about? Because obviously we filmed an episode last year. Um, and one of the things you said, like one of the topics that was just kind of on your mind, and I think this is exactly how you said it. You said it's, uh, it's college season. It's graduation season. Like people are leaving high school. They're leaving college. They're coming out into the world and they're like, I want to make an impact in this shit. Like, I want to make something happen. And so where my mind went when I was just thinking about it, this episode is brought to you by Free Agency. If you want to take your career to the next level, Free Agency is a company that you should check out. They manage and represent talent in the tech industry, and they provide you with a dedicated talent agent to help you find, engage, and win top-of-market roles that will maximize your earning potential. No more leaving money on the table. Stop job searching alone and start building your dream career today with Free Agency. Anyway, back to the show. I was like, even more than college season or graduation season, I would call it like transformation season. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, it's like a moment of opportunity. So yes, for the college kid, that's like, okay, I'm about to go out into the world um, and I just want to leave my mark on it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to do the standard shit. Like I want to leave my mark. I want to do something that is very unique and suited to me. Mm -hmm. But then also the person that's working in the office right now that's at their desk and it's like, okay, like it's cool. Like I'm earning some money. It's nice. But this isn't me. Like mm -hmm. this isn't what I was put here to do. And so when I started thinking about those topics, I was like, there is not a better person to discuss that with, that energy with um, than you, man. So it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. I'm pumped to be here. I've been uh, looking forward to it. When yeah. I reached out, I'm like, hell yeah. Um, you know, I, I've done a bunch of podcasts, been a, a guest on a ton of podcasts. Obviously, my proximity to Gary and, and the Vayner world and, and the Gary V brand and been working with him for 10 years, I get asked to do a lot of them. Sometimes mm. I'm comfortable with the conversation. Sometimes I'm not comfortable on speaking on certain things. And But we've been friends for a while now, and I'm, I'm pumped to get into all of it. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the, I brought up the college thing because it's about this time every year and maybe even a little a couple months earlier. Um, I start to get hit up by a ton of people, relationships, familial network, what have you, to chat with people that are getting ready to graduate. Mm. And um, I think it's a very tough time for people mm. because it's when, you know, similar to when you are finishing up high school, I think society and like the surrounding world just fixates on like, what you're doing next mm. and like it's a hollow question of like 
when you're a senior in high school, like you'll be, you know, you can't get through a holiday with your family or like run into someone and it's not like, like, where are you going to school next year? Mm. Like, and that's just like the default question. And, uh, and that puts, I think a lot of pressure on like that response. And then same with, if, if you are in college, like first off college is a business and like understanding that a college is trying to put you into a certain job so that they can remarket to the incoming students that they put you in that job yeah right and like so like the whole like guidance counselor thing is more like let me lead you to what's good for our business not what's good for you mm. and people don't that flies over a lot of people's head and then just like the general like if you graduate college and don't get a don't immediately have a job making however many figures based on where you're in school like you're a loser and like that's just crazy and i'm i'm fortunate that i uh, you know my father um was very vocal with me about a lot of those a lot of those things um so yeah it's uh, i just i'm always i enjoy having the, the conversations with people around this time as yeah. they're like trying to embark on whatever they're they're looking to do yeah let's get into it let's get into it yeah. okay so before we do you know what let me give you let me give you a bit of an intro um so general manager of 137 PM. Yep. Gary Vaynerchuk's right hand guy for a number of years, assistant to AJ Vaynerchuk for a number of years, mm-hmm. host of the Card Talk Pod. Yep. Man United fan, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> Don't even know why I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get into let's get into the college stuff. Because I think I think you are exactly correct in that um Every good business and every profitable industry has picked up on a need, right? There's a need out there in the market that they're satisfying. I think increasingly what college has done is exactly what you mentioned, which is when you're young, and it starts even before you go to college, people are always asking you, they're like, oh, what do you want to be? Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? And at that age, like I see it even with my younger siblings, it was exactly the same for me. The answer is usually like, I don't know. Yeah. So college, in a, in a sea of kind of like uncertainty and not knowing the answer, college gives you a path. It gives you certainty. It gives you follow this curriculum for four years and then go into this job. And not only are we giving you certainty, it's respected by society. You will be respected. Yeah. And so when I think about this, I really think like, Let's start at like the root of the problem, which is the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that I don't know. So if you were going to just give advice to even to anyone, even people that have graduated college still don't know what they should be doing. What can I start doing so that I start to get some of those answers? I start to get some of that clarity of like, okay, here's my path. Like, here's where I make my mark. Mm-hmm. So if I was, uh, I guess, if, uh, if I had, was coming to, I mean, I was this person. I, I, I went to Penn State. I studied hotel restaurant management. Yeah. Because I was, my freshman year, I was going to do business and I got awful grades and that was like an applied business degree. Um, I, and so I graduated and took a job in my industry that my resume uh, or my major uh, was attached to. And three months in, I quit because I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. Mm. Um, 
And, you know, through networking and what have you, I was like, I had interest in, I loved Steve Jobs, Apple products, and I was an early Twitter user. And mm. I was like, oh, I like all these things. Mm. How do I do this as a, as a career? Mm. Met two people, kept asking those questions, and ended up getting a job at a marketing agency. Along the way, everyone was like, you just paid X amount of money for a college degree and quit the job that you got your major in and are gonna go try this thing over here. What I would say if you were graduating and don't know what you should do, you should literally, like you have in front of you, make a list, mm. open a notebook and a journal and write the things that you actually enjoy doing. Mm. And then figure out what is the least amount of money that you can make mm. while doing what you need to do. You may have a fucked up situation at home. You may not be able to live there. You might need to have to figure out shelter, all those things. So find the least amount of money that you can make. And then I would say, okay, what are the four things that I like to do? What are those jobs look like? And then I'll go on LinkedIn and send a message to as many people as possible mm. and tell them you're willing to work for whatever that lowest number is. Mm. The reason I say that is because most folks have it backwards and I did as well. And that was, how do I make as much money as possible as quickly out of school? Mm. Now, if you're paying a lot of money for a college, like if you're going to a top tier school, not commute, like you're graduating with some debt, and so you're like, I want to pay that off. Or my friend's making 80, I need to make 82. Or my mm -hmm. friend's making 75, I need to make 76. Or my parents say, if I don't make X, I'm a failure. Or, you know, they should be paying you more money, what have you. The reason I say that is because in an early stage, like I remember a vivid conversation with some of my friends. And one of my friends was like, my goal is to go to college, graduate college and make $100,000. And what people don't realize is like the more you're making, the more, um, the more the company has pressure to extract that value out mm. of you. Hundred. So, the less you make, the more upside I I find you're able to have. Mm. And so I guess where I'm going in all this is like. I think you're able to get into a position that gives you more responsibility and accountability and room to play and figure out if it's something that you like at a less salary versus if you take a job, make X amount of money, you I, far more are going to get locked into like every one year you get a promotion and a slight raise, but you have to do exactly what it says on paper because that's what we're paying you to do. Mm. And you don't get the same ability to find out if it's even what the hell you want to be doing. Yeah. And so then people do that for seven years because they take $82,000 and they can't quit an $82,000 job because their parents are going to be pissed or their friends are going to judge them. So they just keep doing it. And at no point did they find out if they even like to do it. Then they wake up seven years later and they're like, damn, I shouldn't have done that the whole fucking time. I would literally quit right now and work on this thing that I like for half the money. Mm. So I, I, you know, that's, um, I, I would write. That's something that I always did in my deepest, darkest points of depression and anxiety, I always just turn to putting my thoughts down on paper because it's like self conversations. Mm -hmm. And in that you learn about yourself and with LinkedIn now, you have to be real about what you're 
interested in, what you might be good at, and how do you find out what you might be good at? Ask people questions around you, um, and then just go to LinkedIn and hit people up like crazy. Yeah. You know, um, whenever it comes to questions like this, I think a lot of the times I actually... I start at like the mindset level, like mm -hmm. the way that you think. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look at a lot of those entrepreneurs, you look at a lot of those athletes, even entertainers, creators, mm -hmm. the ones that you admire, the ones that you're um, seeing on the homepage of YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you're seeing on television, uh, you're seeing on CNBC if they're like an entrepreneur. The way that they think, they think over long time horizons. Mm -hmm. They don't think about, and I think this is the thing that I see with a lot of like even um, my peers, myself coming out of uh, university, you're not thinking in long term no, time very horizons. Short, like, yeah. well, I, I need to get this job. I yeah. need to do this thing. Yep. What do I need to do to get this job? Mm -hmm. You're probably thinking like, I don't know, six months to like a year, yeah. max like two years out. Mm-hmm. And so I remember actually we had, um, we had a guest come on this podcast. Uh, his name is Eamon. And he, uh, he was the CEO of this company called AppSumo. He's now like a successful CEO coach. Like he trains other CEOs. And one of the things that he said, he said, um, your 20s is for learning. Your 30s is for earning. And I would even take it longer. I would yeah. take it longer than that. But I think his point was that, in your 20s, you're just trying to establish some sort of foundation. And so the reason why you said, like, write out a list of strengths is um, when you look in the marketplace, everything is supply and demand. Yeah. So you want to be focused on something which, like, you can be uniquely talented at. And then it's like, okay, how can you be uniquely talented? Well, it's going to be by doubling down on your strengths. So the mm -hmm. quicker that you can get clear on that, the better. What I want to ask you, because I'm sure there's people that are going to listen, they're going to pull out their notepad, they're going to start writing down, maybe not even strengths, just things they like. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have video games like YouTube, uh, football, basketball, like just different things. And it's going to be like, yeah, like I love this shit, but how, how do I go from that list? to finding the job finding the like what's the next step where it's like how do i form this into a career where i'm actually making money and my parents aren't just looking at me like this guy's just playing playstation yeah like how what what would you say to that person which is like okay i've, I've written out my strengths where do we go from there yeah i i, I mean i approach everything in a very much one day at a time and I approach relationships and how we first met is like, how can you bring value to people? And, mm -hmm. and so if it's, if the number one thing on my list was video games, like, then I would ask myself, what does that mean? Do I like watching Twitch? Do I like playing games? What do I like about playing games? Is it like map design? Is it uh, the music that's in the games? Like, is it connecting with people? Because of all those things, if it's like the watching it, okay, Twitch or emerging streaming platforms, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. I'd go on LinkedIn and then literally search who works in Facebook gaming and I'd send 
every single one of them a LinkedIn message and say, hey, I'm a young cat. I have interest in gaming. I saw you work here. I think that's really dope. I'm just putting myself out there because I'm obsessed about this field and I think I could be of value and of help to you. These are ways that I could. These are insights that I have. Boom. Mm. Do that 10 times and one person hits you back. Then it's not a great, you have a job. It's, hey, can I just, how do how can I build a relationship that is of positive some value to you? Um, but it's, it's very tricky. Like I think to your point of how do I make money? How do I turn this into a career? Like I always just think about what, how can I create opportunities that have upside? And I don't think Mm. about the short term of like, I need to, I need to make X amount of money in this amount of time. I need to, I think about how can I earn leverage with people stacking over time? And that can be, walking people's dogs and the person whose dog you're walking might have a good friend that's looking to hire a young assistant and like go for it mm-hmm. so the the number one thing that i think is tough for people right now trying to graduate trying to figure it out is everyone else trying to tell them what they should do including mm-hmm. myself on this podcast mm-hmm. it's you need to somehow believe in what you know you need to somehow believe in what's inside of you. And I think a great way to do that is to sit with a pen and paper and write out what your beliefs are. Mm -hmm. You know, I always struggled with, even now, like, what do you want to be in five years? Like, the only way I can get to that answer is by literally sitting with a pen and paper and talking through it with myself. Is it a family, like, with kids? Is it a shitload of money? Is it multiple houses? Is it owning some sort of sports team? Like, what are those things? Because if you just generally ask me, I'm like, I don't think about that. But there's actually an answer. And the only Mm. way to get that is spending time with myself. Mm. And so for people that are graduating high school to college, college to getting a job, to me, it's always the noisiest time of what people are telling you what the hell you should be doing. And you need to spend time with yourself on what you think you should be doing. Because if you're listening to me, if you're listening to podcasts, all of a sudden, it's just more noise on all Mm. the things. But Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, having presences on those, you Mm. can connect with anybody. Mm. And if you're, if you are, if you like making content, which a lot of people now just like are naturally, if you've had an iPhone, if you've owned an iPhone for five years and you take photos, like you're a content creator, Mm. that's how people get discovered. That's how I think you and I met. Yeah, You were working at Rally. I was into sports cards. I think you hit me on Twitter or like I saw a clip or something that you were doing. We yeah. hit it o- over saga. We're like, okay, we can talk about footy. Well, like where else does this go? And so not trying to be on the nose. Like it's like the quickest way to get what you want is by n- almost not like just going in for the thing. Mm. Um, and hopefully people have some time, but I also know people need to make some money in a real way. My good buddy last night, good friend graduated from a top tier university and has a master's degree is out of work right now and uh i was like trying to figure out how to make money or or in hustles or different ways i'm like there's Mm. a million ways you can make money Mm. you could pick up a bartending gig in new york city once a week you could be a dog walker you could go work at mcdonald's like but what is it you want to do and spend your time on Mm. because the money part becomes there's there's a amount that you may need to make for your life to shelter maslow's whatever hierarchy of needs Mm. Like get that figured out, and then then it's about what are you good at, 
What do you want to be doing? And then you just got to go on offense because you can reach out to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that you brought up, uh, I love that you brought up content because it's interesting for me, actually, even just hearing what you were saying, I've kind of done, um, that's kind of the path that I've been on where like initially, right? Like when I first got to the U S I wanted to, uh, be like a strategy consultant. So then I started reaching out to like anyone that would work, like works in consulting. Um, and I don't know if this works now, but the thing I realized is it's actually better to go like really senior, like go to like the partners mm -hmm. and like the people at the top, because especially at the time, it's like everyone thinks about reaching out to like the analyst yeah. because it's like, oh, that person, you know, would talk They're to me. They just did the thing or yeah. whatever. Yeah. They would talk to me. They'd be more approachable. Like the partner doesn't have time. But because everyone thinks like that, no one really reaches out to the yeah. partner. So you break through. Well, and also the other, like, there's something about decision making and autonomy of decision making, right? And I think that is probably something that people mess up a lot. Like younger folks in their career, like the analyst is willing to chat with you. But at the end of the day, like, they can't hire you. They're an employee of yeah. the company, right? And so something that I, the way that I always have tried to navigate things is what is like, how can I be in positions that punch above my weight? Mm. And I, I think there's definitely financial trade-offs that people should take for more impact and decision-making ability. Mm. Bro, go, go deeper into that. What is that? Um, what does it mean? How can I be in positions that punch above my weight? And when did that like, when did that realization hit you? Like, why is that so meaningful to so you? So when I first started working at Vayner, I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. I was like employee 250. I started November uh, 11th, 2013. And I would journal every day. Mm -hmm. I would, I, on the train ride into New York City and on the train ride out, I would write. And on the way in, I would write about, I, I would put, I would write, do one thing that makes you uncomfortable today. And then on the way home, I would say if I did that. And when I first started working there, what I realized I started working there. I was making $30,000 out of, out of college, which is whatever, maybe good, maybe bad. Mm. Like I was like, would have loved to make more, but I was like, I needed, you know, there's, that's a good job. Mm. And I'm in New York city and I want to make enough to be able to move into New York city. But what I realized was, oh shit, there's so much more going on here that I can extract that is on top of the money like how do i make this more than the the money thing mm. and so any environment like at vayner specifically i would just be like walking up to people and be like who are you what do you do how can i help you on top of and outside of my job which then got me into a lot of different tentacles and showed people different skill sets that i had so that people would start pulling me into stuff that i had no business mm. doing Right. But that on paper wasn't what I was getting paid to do. And I think that's where a lot of people get messed up. You want me to do more, pay me more. Mm. And that's what I'm a big, like, I, I, my number one advice for people would be don't take remote jobs mm. because then it's, you're not able to punch above your weight. We pay you X to do X and you never get really much insight into anything outside of this transactional nature to transact meeting someone in, in the bathroom while you're taking a piss next to each other mm. wine wednesday happy hour signing up for the company kickball team uh going to uh the random like health and wellness class that they offer as a service 
or even uh, if you're working in more maybe some blue collar stuff like taking an extra shift for no reason and helping out a buddy, uh, getting to know the customers more than normal. You work at a hardware store, walk the person out to the car and try and get two minute conversation every day. So it's like, I always have thought any sort of job or opportunity is a foundation to then find more and don't try to look to be compensated exactly for that. Because if you consider opportunity as compensation or learning as compensation then it's like there's Mm -hmm. more to it Mm -hmm. um but we've gotten all wrapped up and fascinated in the money side whereas not too long ago you know this notion of apprenticeship yeah we all read that book the apprentice Mm -hmm. and like you know that was like highly regarded like oh you're gonna go work for the local cobbler for free for four years and that's a highly coveted slot because in in the fifth year, you're going to have the skills to open your own joint. Mm. But now we've switched the whole thing up. Like if you're making 30 and they're telling you what to do on paper and they want you to do more, ask for 35 or they're the pieces of shit. Mm. And like to me that what they're asking you to do extra is worth the money. Mm. Like now you're making 35. It's just 30 and five barter economy. Right. You used to, not not too long ago some homie grew bananas some homie grew corn they'd be like all right i'll give you five bananas for 14 corn boom that's the exchange because that's what you're doing that's what i'm doing and then i'm gonna sell your corn over here Mm. so like this uh this notion of just transactional money i think messes up a lot of people and it, it comes from most times outside pressure anything above a line of what you may need early on in your 20s of the learning period. Mm. You know, what I was just thinking, actually, as you were talking, I was like, if you take a lot of um, the entrepreneur that started that like kind of risky business and hit it big and made like a load of money, like even if you looked at like, say, like a Jeff Bezos or you looked at Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, I'm pretty sure the way that if you looked at the income, and I haven't done this, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll be completely wrong. But if you look at the income over the course of their career, I'm assuming it's not linear. It's not the what you see more in like a conventional job where it's like, okay, their salary was increasing like 10,000. Mm-hmm. And so what you see, and I, and I actually... Um, I, I mean, br- on any of those three, do you think they, did, they created the businesses that they did for the income? No, no. They had like a bigger mission. Like, and, and that's what, it goes like back to like what we the short-term goal yeah. versus like the long-term thing. Long-term games. Yeah. And um, I think the thing is, and I, I remember I even wrote this, not in these notes, but I wrote it in my notes on my phone, which is that uh, the results usually lag the process and the inputs. And what I meant is, because I'm trying to build my business right now, is like, you can be doing the right things for a really fucking long period of time. But if you look at almost, if you take the salary or what you're earning as like the scorecard almost, like you're, it looks like you're not making progress because the that number hasn't really moved. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, even when you, if you go from having a job to starting a business, it actually goes down. It actually looks like you're getting worse yeah, yeah. in terms of pure salary. Yeah. But the 
the value you're building yeah the inputs they're going in and yeah. there will be a point where it will be exponential yeah where it will go from i was losing 200 dollars a month and now yeah. yeah and it's um three things i think about that meme of like the or whatever that image of the dude that's digging and like turns around right before he hits the diamonds mm. or like the one that breaks through and like you stop right before and if you're always thinking like you're right there like just keep pushing it it eventually does come and another thing that i would always think about again back to is this worth my time say yes to everything show up to everything you don't immediately feel the effects but then a lot of times six months later you'll sit in a conversation you're like i can hang with this crew Mm. holy shit now i'm like i just got infinitely smarter more educated more tuned up over the last six months by the day-to-day inputs and at no point did i realize it until the summation was full Mm. and then i would also say if anyone sits and closes their mind and says who do i look up to who is someone i would love to be able to impress who is someone that i'd like to sit across from and have a conversation and prove to them my value and worth Mm. do you think when you sit down at that table, anyone will at, like actually think more or less of you based on the money you make. Mm. No, they'll think more or less of you based on how educated you are about the thing you're passionate about or how authentic you're being or how you know, prepared you are for that conversation. At no point would someone like uh, I go to basketball, young basketball player in the league sits across from Michael Jordan. They're not going to be like, you're a good basketball player because the contract you have. They're going to be like, let's look at the film. Mm. You're a scientist. You're an engineer that's graduating from Penn State and you want to sit down across from the person from Lockheed Martin. They're not going to say, where'd you take your job? They're going to want to talk about engineering shit. Mm. And so a lot of times, if you want to take the A job at the A salary, back to the point, they want you doing a specific thing in a specific knowledge thing because that's what they're paying you for. Whereas maybe if you take the unconventional thing that's more entrepreneurial startup that has a, isn't already established and it's just systems and, and what have you, all of a sudden you're learning a bunch of different areas, a bunch of different pockets, uh, being able to flex, being able to see if you like things or not like things because on paper, they're not like you're not this massive asset to them. Mm. So there's a ability to be more flexible. If yeah. that if that makes sense. Mm. You know it's so interesting. So I was um I've gotten really into reading like autobiographies and I love it because also like as I'm building a business, it really resonates with me to listen to other people that have like been building shit mm-hmm. because before you make it you just start to see that there's like this process where they're like just grinding and they're just trying things and it's not working and they're going back to the drawing board they're trying again and you just see them slowly getting better and it's this process that anyone that's achieved something it's all in common like everyone has that process in common and so one of the autobiographies i was reading i literally just finished it uh was kevin hart's book and uh, right at the end, he has like eight principles, kind of like his success in his life that he wrote down. And I remember one of the things that he said, he said kind of like um, a, lot of, a lot of his success 
there were like there were certain moments right like even when you read the book there's certain moments where uh things changed for him he said it's not about that it's all you're doing all your time should be spent doing is just in preparation you're just making sure that like when uh, that casting director calls you for that big movie and they're looking for like a funny guy that they can cast in that movie that you can show up to the audition and be like the funniest fucking person they've ever seen. Out of like pure, I've been ready for this. Mm. Not like I got to get ready for this. Yeah. And that, you know what? That is that is the problem. And that's when you're going to come into problems is when you're trying to, you're trying to get ready once the call has been made. Like, again, like, you want to make $125,000 the day you graduate college? Dope. I'll show you some shit you might not want to, you might not be prepared for. Mm. Versus, like, bop, 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 you know? Mm. Like, Green Bay Packers, like, probably Aaron Rodgers, who's now a Jet. Didn't start for his first couple of years. Mm. Probably better for it. Mm. That's the thing as well, actually. That's actually a great example. Because the, the thing that you're seeing with quarterbacks coming in the league now, if they're like, a, if they're a first round pick, it's like, okay, they're starting. They're the starter. And a lot of these guys, the reason that they're getting, if you're a high draft pick, you're going to terrible team. Yeah. So you're going into a culture that's not a winning culture because that's why they got you. And you don't have, you're not the guy yet. And, but you're supposed to be the guy. Mm. You're like the, the guy that's supposed to, change it all mm. you know what's funny actually i i loved this uh this story from kevin hart's book which is um so obviously he's from philadelphia right yep. and he wants to be a stand-up comedian and the best place to do comedy is new york and he even says this in the book he says the reason new york is the best place to do comedy is you just get the most reps in philadelphia it's like comedy nights maybe like a thursday maybe yeah friday saturday yeah he said in new york you well, can perform yeah you can perform four or five times at night every day of the week so you just get the most reps so there was a guy this bigger comedian who like took him under his wing he's like come into new york with me and like you know you can just shadow me almost mm -hmm. and he's thinking okay cool like i'm gonna work with this guy we're gonna do clubs i'm gonna perform and he's literally driving he, he gets his friend to drive him and the other guy into New York. So he's like had to convince this guy to drive in like two hours. Yeah. Like there's, there's no win for him, right? Yeah. And so the first few, and this is over a number of months, and they're going into New York like early. Yeah. The first number of months, he's like, I never even performed. He's like, I thought the guy was going to like bring me on stage. Maybe I'll open for him. He's like, he just had me in the crowd and I would literally just watch him all night and then we would drive two hours back to philadelphia and he's like he's like my girlfriend literally thought i was cheating on her because she's like why is this guy going into new york to just what drive some other comedian around and just watch him do comedy yeah. and never get to perform but that's the thing now like even if you look at kevin hart that guy's worth like several hundred million he's probably the most He's definitely in like the top two or three famous comedians, of probably course. number one, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, especially from a commercial standpoint. Yeah. But that was where the foundation was built. Yeah. And what did he say? He like, was there an insight as to what he learned from it? I I'm going through my head of the things that I feel I could like analyze of why that person did that slash why it benefited Kevin. But in the book, did he like say yeah. what it taught him? You know what? You know what I've realized? It's um, 
you have to start seeing the things that you enjoy doing and the things that you want to make a career out of, of as a craft. Totally. And so... And there's a the, difference between doing something you enjoy and doing something that you enjoy as a job. Mm, big difference. Right? Being skilled at, as a comedian and showing up and performing once a month as a fun thing, can people can really enjoy that. Mm. Driving from Philly to New York 20 out of 30 days in a month and driving home and continuing to do it and do it and do it gives you a taste of like, no, no, no. You can say this is what you want, but this is really what it's about. Mm. And that's where I think a lot of people get messed up. Mm. You want to make however much. You want to make six figures in this country? Like, great. You're going to sacrifice a lot of things. Mm. Mm. And you know what? You know what? The thing that's, uh, I love that. The, the thing with, um, even why I mentioned you have to see it as a craft. One of the things that the guy that was shadowing uh, Kevin around, one of the things he said to him, because Kevin, like one day he just got like mad frustrated because the guy that was driving them didn't want to drive them yeah. anymore. He's like, I'm making no money. Yeah. Like I'm losing money from this. Yeah. Um, so he quit. So now Kevin's like going in on like the train from Philadelphia. Like it's just sucks. Um, and so he goes to the guy, he's like frustrated. He's like, are you ever going to let me like perform? And he said like, he just said to me, he's like, what have you noticed? Like, what have you learned from watching me? And Kevin didn't really have an answer. And the guy says to him, he's like, I've seen how you perform. Like the way that you perform is you're kind of like a joke. Like people are laughing at you. Like you do like the short guy thing and you just like, you're like a black guy, short guy. You, you're just a joke. Like you're, you're a character. Yeah. You're not, he's like, when I do comedy, I'm telling my story. And people that we're laughing together at my story. Yeah. It's different. I'm just being who I am. I'm not becoming a character that people can laugh at. Yeah. And so he's like, I wanted to, like, that's the thing that you were meant to pick up, which is the craft yep. of what makes a great comedian. And the thing is, it's the same in any discipline. There's levels to this game. Like football. Yeah. Some of the best players to ever play were not able to be professional. Basketball. Mm. There's a difference between being a professional basketball player. I mean, you even see, like, I, I think about this with the NBA. There's guys in the league that literally don't show up an hour before practice mm. to work. They just show up when it starts and leave when it ends. Yeah. And that's why you got LeBron James and you got the least talented dude that's in the league. And so, but some people, everyone's like, well, why wouldn't everyone just want to be LeBron? Mm. Like, there's players in the league that have worked one-tenth of the amount of, on basketball than LeBron has in their career. Mm. People are like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you work as hard as you possibly can? So, again, it's just like levels, but I think we just assume, right? Some of the greatest comedians in the world don't want to put in that work. Some of the best footballers in the world when it comes to the game might be great, but they don't realize it's about eating right, sleeping right, showing up to practice every day, how, being able to manage the business around you, mm -hmm. being able to also have a family and relationships, being able to handle getting a shitload of money all at once. Like there's, there's a lot to it. And I, that's what I've been able to, to witness firsthand 
with Gary, which is like fantastic. I think people look at people and just want to be that, but don't realize mm. the sacrifice and what it takes. Mm. And that's from every like in levels everywhere. People want to have families and and raise kids and then I look at my mom and I'm like, damn, like she worked her ass off every day, giving up everything just to raise the family. So yeah, but but it's okay. It's just I think people sometimes want one thing and then are willing to do one other thing. And then they get all fucked up and blame the world as to why it's not happening. Mm. You know, I was just thinking as you were speaking is like, um, imagine the confidence of knowing that you have just like a rock solid foundation. Like your foundation, it's bulletproof, it's tried and tested. And even if I use the example, the, the Kevin Hart example, uh, his first year in comedy, this was even before he started going into New York. The guy was just performing. He was going around with another comedian and the comedian would take him to like bowling alleys. He would take him to bars. He was doing comedy everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the guy said to him, he's like, you just need to speak in public. Just get used to just speaking in public because comedy is all about having stage presence. So he's like, you want to get people's attention when they don't even give a fuck. Like the guy who's bowling doesn't, didn't come to hear comedy. Yeah. And I'm sure if you, like, if you spoke to Kevin Hart, a lot of the reasons why when you see him doing the Netflix special and he's in the massive arena and he's like doing comedy and everyone's laughing and everything is, the execution is all perfect. It was all made. That person was made in those bowling alleys. He was made in those bars at the end of the night when no one was listening. And that's why he has that confidence because he knows that it's tried and true. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you, because uh, obviously you're the general manager of 1.37 PM now, but you've spent just a ton of time with Gary. And so I I think a lot of the times the problem that we have is all of the people that are our role models and that we look up to we only see the end result. Yeah. I only see LeBron when he's playing on prime time for the Lakers mm-hmm. and he's hitting buzzer beaters. And I'm like, I want to be that. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see the, the moments pre-game. I didn't see, get to see how he woke up. I didn't get to see what he was doing just before he went to bed. I didn't get to see the, the moments that put him in position. And so for someone that's just spent a ton of time around Gary, I'm just curious, like, what are some of the things that you notice which you're like, okay, this is the preparation. This is what has put this guy in position that when he's on that stage, he can give that incredible speech. When he's in that client meeting, he can deliver the point and it's impactful. When he turns the camera on and it's like that fire piece of content, the delivery is there. Like what are the preparation moments that you've seen? Just, uh I mean, so many different things, but it's every day. Like, it's, it's every day. It's funny because the, the Jake Paul, like, YouTube song is in my head right now. <laughs> but, like, that's the, uh, the, the truth is, like, there's, um, it's always on. Mm. It's always on. And I think this notion of, like, work-life balance is um, 
a beautiful thing but if you there's again there's like there's levels and I, I i think work plus life equals balance is more of the equation that i've realized is like it um doesn't stop and i think the notion of weekends has has fucked that up this notion in that you know i also think remote like blends everything together but it's um there's no escaping it mm. and i think that that's like a a beautiful thing it's like a you know he's so dialed in on what like he's living his true this is exactly what i want to be doing mm. and when you get to that place like there is no like I'm looking forward to this being over, you know, and I think everyone has that. Like, I can't wait till class is over. I can't wait for spring break. I can't wait for the weekend. I can't wait to like turn off the thing so I can actually do my thing. Mm. Um, and just what I like, would get, I never realized that that is how that there's can be joy in that. I, I think we always like, or at least for myself and my upbringing, just like white dude in the Northeast, like, yeah, it's like to be a good man, you have to be an asshole. You have to like, probably not like your job, but do it anyway. Like put on the suit and tie, like be upset about it. Like, it's just like you can actually be living the thing that you want to be doing and still work hard and bring value to others and so that was i mean to me is like it just never turns off it's every day it's it, you wake up you keep going 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 and this notion that we worry about things is like why hmm. worry meaning like maybe okay i gotta prepare or i gotta be ready for this but it's gonna come come and go the time's hmm. gonna to pass so why not hit it and hit it hard and and that's what i just it's cool to have had a, a first you know row seat to watch because what it's made me realize is like it's all possible if you're willing to close the gap between what you want and what you're willing to do for it mm. yeah you, you know, know and that's what i just think people like this you know your podcast how many episodes have you done now i probably recorded like 50 yeah i think we've published Maybe we're getting to like 40. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this notion of like, you've done 50. That's dope. Mm. But like, does it matter? It's just about each one. Mm. Like, and how big do you want the podcast to be? Mm. I don't know. But if you're talking Joe Rogan, like, cool. Let's talk about it in 14 years. Mm. You won't do it every day. Mm. And if you change your mind, that's okay. Like, if you don't, that's also, you're good to drop off and do it. But, like, people are like, oh, I want to be Joe Rogan. I did 50 podcasts. Mm. Like, nah. Mm. There's, there's, and that goes back to, like, how, where are you setting your sights? Because people get to success. And I was, I was having a conversation last night with a friend that's a manager of some creators and influencers. And, like, you know, some people set out, I want to be an influencer. I'm going to get my first brand deal. Boom, they get their first brand deal. They make 10 grand. Now they're like, I'm in the game. I'll only do deals that are 10 grand. And then the next thing, someone offers you a free opportunity. You're like, nah, I, like, I do 10 grand now. Okay, well, like, you're thinking smaller. 
you know, if your goal was that much bigger, you'd realize that there's value and opportunity in still doing things that are lesser or lower. Um, so that's, that's what it's, what I've realized is like, it's every day. It's always because that's if to match that ambition. Hmm. Yeah. I but just, not everyone has that ambition. And like, I think that's a pretty neat thing too. Hmm. But I, I do think people can get to a place where they're not trying to escape anything. Mm-hmm. Now you're saying some, that's powerful shit. And I think that comes through like actually work. Mm. You know what? It's, um, you spoke about like the person who's like putting the suit on. Mm-hmm. I think about that sometimes, which is like, um, and I think it was why, you know, when I, when I left my job, I think the question that people had was like, why now? Like, you have a job, you're earning six figures. You're, like, my work hours were not crazy. Like, a lot of people that are working, like, that earning that money, they're also working crazy hours. I had enough time that I was still doing a podcast. And, like, you're living in Manhattan. Like, shit is good. But, you know, the thing that, the thing that I really wanted... I was always optimizing um, for autonomy and freedom. And I think the thing that I, I didn't like, I didn't like having to be like different people. I wanted everything brought into one. And it reminds me of a quote that Jay-Z said where he was like, uh, the best thing about what I do is I show up in every room as myself. I'm just Jay. I'm not now I have to be like a banker and it's like the suit is different and I have to wear a mask. It's like, this is what it is. This is what I'm passionate about. People know me for this. And I'm assuming it's very similar for Gary as well. And that's why you say it's every day because he's just being himself. That is the like, the business is him being himself. Mm -hmm. Everything is aligned. He's not having to show a different face. Mm-hmm. But there's a cost. There's a cost to get there. When I say a cost, I mean that it's not easy. It's um, how many people get paid for being themselves? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they wake up every day. They don't have a job. They just show up as themselves and get compensated for that. Mm-hmm. Very few people. And the reason why is that there's you have to put in a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I've realized on this journey, I'm realizing it right now, is there's different sorts of work. There's different sorts of things being hard or things being difficult. I think a lot of the times when you think about work, you think about like hours, think about 90 hour weeks, just putting time in. I don't even really see that as uh, super challenging. I think the thing that that I wrestle with now doing my own business and like building my own brand and building this show, uh, the Callum Johnson show is, um, you, you know, at the start we talked, we spoke about certainty, right? Like that's what college kind of provides. It's certainty. Mm -hmm. This feels like the opposite to me, which is like, you're working and making improvements with no end date in mind. Yeah. It's not like you keep working at your business and July 25th of 2025, you're going to make it. Just keep working. It could be 2025. It could be tomorrow. 
it could be 10 years. And it's like in that period before your before it hits, I even said this to myself, I'm like, how do you keep your mind um, prepared, fresh? Do you don't get impatient? Even one of the things you spoke about uh, in the first episode we recorded, and you said it now as well, is like not taking your chips off the table. Yeah. People get impatient. They're like, fuck this shit, man. Yeah. Let me just get my, sh- like, let me take it. And so I'm curious to get deeper into your story and just talk about those moments where you're doing the 30K job and the excitement has worn off and it's just starting to become a bit of a grind. Mm -hmm. And you're like, when is this shit, when am I getting the promotion that gets me to 70K and I can move from New Jersey into New York and I can get the apartment and I can be partying with all my friends who are doing the banking jobs. Mm-hmm. Like when it started, when you started getting impatient, like take me back to that moment. Yeah. Uh, many conversations with Gary specifically about that and helped me come to realize like, what are, what are we really talking about? Like, mm. um, and that's why I mentioned the baseline because I, of, of, of needs. Um, Look, I'm an employee of a company. I'm an employee of a company. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's not my business. I'm not, I don't have equity in the business. Like, I'm, you know, people that I work with on 137 will say to me, oh, you're an entrepreneur. I'm like, not really. I'm, I'm an employee of a company. But, you know, we have August race cycle. And, you know, let me just keep going forth. And we get conditioned in school. Like, you show up for 12 months, mm. you get anything above a C or a D or even by and large, they hang this, you're going to hold, get held back over your head if you fail. Never really happens. Like, because if it did, a lot more people would be doing the same grade twice. And then you realize like, what is that what I'm trying to accomplish? And I think it happens in corporate world too. And it comes down to like, people want you to have short-term goals. Because then they can just appease. You're a junior analyst, then you're an analyst, then you're a senior analyst. That's true. You're making X. You're gonna get an eight percent raise. Then you're gonna get an eight percent raise. Like, just look forward to just look forward to August. Just look forward to August. And um, I'm just thankful. And it, well, I was that was me. I was that person. And I think Gary really helped me open my eyes to like, if that's the game you're trying to play, it's like always an unfulfilling score or end result always going to want the more always going to want the next thing always going to want the better title what are you doing like how are you spending your time are you fulfilled are you happy do you have joy are you doing it for yourself there was someone before that you were talking about and it's like i because i've i've dealt with this trip like immensely gary had a big saying like the best way to be selfless is to be selfish and i think People do things for their parents, for their friends, for their girlfriends, for their aunt, uncle, for the perception that they have on them before they do things for themselves. And the best way you can do things for your parents, your friends, your girlfriends, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters is to by actually do the shit for yourself first. Mm. Right. So like saying no to going to the bar with your friends so that you can do some shit that is helping you is the best way that then you can then actually enjoy the time with your friends Mm. but if you're always just friday night 
with the friends. I'm going to pass up on the work opportunity because I'm tired of work. Well, then the work's going to suffer and you're not going to end up being able to go to the bar with your friends at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about rubber band, like, and, and what I mean by rubber band is like the amount that you can do and the amount that you can become conditioned to, to doing and the, the work output or productivity that you can have. When you first get a rubber band, it's, it has a shape. And like, if you try to just like make it as big as possible, it might break immediately or like it can't stretch that much. But if you just like stretch it a hundred times, like just a little bit, mm-hmm. it's just going to keep getting more malleable to be able to stretch super long. Mm. And, and so that was always something like just if you can through the reps and slowly but surely try and like stretch out your rubber band, all of a sudden you're going to have a big ass rubber band. And that goes back to the chips on the table and leverage, which is something that I like. That's the, there's one business term that I, or, or ideology around business that I was never taught in college that I paid a lot of money for and still pay money for is just this notion of leverage in life. Like you have to find a way to be able to create leverage for yourself. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? How can you uh, be of value? be of value to people and that's very like you either have knowledge about something you either have strength like you can move a package from one place to another Mm. and someone else can't Mm. that's why they're gonna compensate you for it and you have leverage right that person can't lift this package i can i'm gonna lift this the first five packages for free. So you see how good it is. I might get paid more for the six than I would have if I asked for money on the first one and you paid me for all six. Right. So building leverage is also uh, an, a major thing. And I, I know I've kind of, you know, twisted and turned, but like that was, um, I came into Vayner like title matters, salary matters on an annual like basis. And then what I realized is like, the quickest probably way and what a lot of those folks realize is the quickest way to become huge is to not care about that i mean i remember vividly about amazon with my pops you know my dad like amazon was not a profitable company for forever because any profits they would just reinvest into their business Mm. and how can they bring as much value to their customers so the investors would be like this business makes no sense. It was a publicly traded stock and they, they wouldn't turn profits because they would just pour it back into R&D or cost, like refunds. It was always like, you, uh, you get some, just send it back and they'll just refund you. No questions asked. The investors would be like, why are you charging for that or taking money off the table or all that? Mm. But they're Amazon now because they did that forever. Mm. And that is a very, back bringing it back to the graduation thing. Don't be the person that's trying to, like nickel and dime everything if you can afford to Mm. because that was what might lead you to be amazon versus charging for every single thing customer someone else is going to come in and be like i'll do it for slightly less and better Mm. yeah you know it's um i mean there's there's a book oh the name's escaping me but it's by um by peter teal the famous investor and he talks about competition and he talks about like uh 
like the power of one, like being one of one. And um, it's actually interesting because you, you spoke about leverage and I completely agree. I remember the first time I really started to learn about leverage was from uh, Navar Ravikant. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like once, once the, the lessons and they kind of hit you, it almost changes the way that you see the world and how people are compensated. Yeah. Because the people that are compensated the highest are truly one of one. Like the reason why, um, the reason why like Michael Jordan is a billionaire and the reason why LeBron James is a, why he's either a billionaire or going to be a billionaire is because how, how do you replace that person? And I remember even Kobe, if you, if you listen, there's a, there's a lot of interviews with Kobe where he speaks about this and he talks about how he would, um, prepare um, and they ask him like, why were you waking up at like 3 a.m.? Like, why did you wake up at three? And oh, I, I love this clip because he like breaks it down. And he's like, he's like, take the normal basketball player that wakes up at eight or 9 a.m. They may be getting a max of like two workouts a day. They get in the morning workout when they wake up and then maybe they'll take like a break in the middle of the day, maybe get a nap and then take like an afternoon slash evening workout. Mm-hmm. He's like, I wake up at 3 a.m. So I'm in the gym at four. First workout, four till seven. I then come home, have breakfast, whatever. Second workout, I'm going in again, 9 a.m. So even if you just take that section of the day, they've done one workout, I've done two. Yeah. I then take another break, another workout. Um, and then I think a, a lot of the times he would do even another workout after that. Yeah. So he's like, they've done two workouts, I've done four. Now, don't even think about that for one day or one week. Stack that pattern of work over 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Even at, like if they're, he started playing in the NBA at 18. So um, say that they start following my regimen at 28, 29. They can't catch me. I've been doubling their input. Like I've been doubling it for 10 years. Yeah. So and it's even the way he's saying it, you can tell he understands the principle of like, my preparation is one of one. Yeah. Like no one else can replicate that. They yep. can't get that. Yep. It's the same with Amazon. It's like, because they invested so much into their business and like building scale, no one can just replicate that. Yeah. You can't just build Amazon Overnight. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, you can't replicate what and they do. And like, you know, I, I, when I think about Kobe and waking up at 3 a.m., I think some people would be like, damn he must really loved waking up at 3 a.m every day and i'm like no i bet every time he was like oh why am i waking (laughs) up right now at 3 a.m but he had the goals were so big and so far out Mm -hmm. that it was like if that's what i want like i need to wake up at 3 a.m and i'm gonna not enjoy it probably until i leave that practice or now i'm halfway through it and like now my day's getting going or, you know, I'm currently trying to put on, I've been on a, a journey to put on 15 pounds, mm. skinny as fuck. Mm. And every morning I've been waking up 5.55 a.m. And it, it never is something that I want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. But I want to hit that goal very much so. And so I think, like, we need to champion doing shit you don't want to be doing. On a, on a micro basis to get to what you want to do on more of a macro basis. And so there's this notion of like, oh, it's just going to click that it, what you want to do is just going to 
feel normal. And you sent me the Jordan Peterson clip, which I think was about, mm. right? Was it Peterson or someone else? Okay. About passion oh, versus... The Peterson clip? What was he saying? I, there was a clip that was going around about don't, like, find what you're good at versus what you want to be doing mm. and how you can bring value or what mm. have you. But, yeah, I guess the point that I was just trying to make about Kobe waking up at 3 a.m., like... There maybe was never a day that he actually wanted to wake up at 3 a.m., but he realized if he wanted to be the person that he had said he would want to be, that's mm. what it would take. Mm. And if he didn't then want to be the person that he was saying he would want to be, he probably wouldn't have woken up at 3 a.m. Mm. Yeah. But on a day-to-day basis, I don't think he was like, yeah, it's 3 a.m. He was probably like, I want to sleep an hour more, but I can't mess my things up by saying I want this and not willing to do it. Yeah. You know what? It's like, uh, I tell myself this a lot. I'm a big proponent of just knowing what you're getting in for. Yeah. You're saying you want to be the next LeBron. Like, it's like more ambition, more patience almost. Like, Mm -hmm. the the higher the goal, the more that you have to be willing to stomach. Like, I remember listening to Alex Caruso. He was talking about uh, what it was like playing with LeBron. Like, was there anything that just stood out to you? And... I can tell the host is like expected because when you see LeBron, the guy's like a, he's basically a prodigy. Like yeah. he's been amazing. It's like at basketball yeah, his whole crazy. life. So you're, you're thinking like, okay, he's about to say some revolutionary shit. And Caruso is just like the most, cons- he's like the most consistent athlete I've ever come across. That guy is first in the gym every day without fail. And one of the things that I loved actually from the, I'm a Lakers fan. Um, I had loved, a good run. Yeah, good we, run. Had a, we had a good run, especially the way that the season started. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I loved about our playoff run was, um, well, I didn't love it, but LeBron was having like this historic shooting slump. Like he was like shooting terribly from three, I yeah. think like 18% or something over like a number of series. And um, there was pictures and it would come out in key games. The guy was showing up. So usually in LA, they're playing... Um, it's like 10 o'clock or 10 30 yeah, on the so east coast yep. yeah the guy's showing up at two so like just just to put it in context imagine that you have like a really important job interview and they're like yeah be here at like uh 9 a.m and you're there practicing 1 a.m yeah getting shots up and i remember even some of the other commentators were like i would never be there but this guy's 38 years old. He's showing up eight hours early. Mm-hmm. Like imagine be, that's, that's when we talk about preparation, that's what we're talking about. It's like, imagine you're preparing for your moment way ahead of time. And that's someone who's 20 years in the league. Most people think is either the GOAT or the second best player. Yeah. And just putting it in, putting mm-hmm. his time in. Um, yeah, man. Like it's... Uh, yeah, I think it's, this notion of what you want and what you're willing to put in to get it there is something I've always resonated with because at times I haven't followed that even. And that's where I think people start to have issues and start to point fingers as to other people's responsibility and why they're not achieving what they want or at the level of happiness that they want. It's like people want big goals, but not willing to do the work to get there. And so I would say either work more or find ways to work more towards those goals or, which is super okay, have less ambitious goals. Mm. 
Mm. You have to be real with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know... Um, I want to know more about like the... Some of like the, the tougher moments. When you talk about... Um, I think even earlier on in this in this interview in this conversation, you said um, like moments of feeling like a bit like a bit hopeless or like even anxiety. Uh, when you kind of reflect on your journey and coming up and reaching the point that you're at now, um, and I think I love about you as well is like I can tell you're nowhere close to being done, um, which is it's just cool to witness as someone who like knows you. Yeah, it hasn't um, even, uh, it's wild. Like, uh, it's my 32nd birthday tomorrow, and I literally feel like uh, I graduated college yesterday. Mm. Yeah. What makes you say that? Time has flown by, mm. and, like, it's wild to me that people are interested in hearing about my story or what I've been up to, mm. because I don't. To me, it's just like what I do and my life and I enjoy it. And I'm hungry to keep doing more. And mm. so I, I don't, you know, uh, to me, I'm just trying to build leverage in the world so I can then deploy it out, like, to impact whatever it might come up that I want to impact. But, I, yeah, I very much feel super young super early in my career and life hmm. you know what you know what i like as well is um I remember when we spoke i think the, the first episode we did was probably like a year ago mm -hmm. and uh i remember even just listening to it back and one of the things that you you would constantly say you'd constantly talk about leverage and you would always talk about like stacking chips you're yeah. like i'm just stacking chips stacking chips and it's exactly the same now which shows me that like your your principles are set, like your foundation is set. Take me to a moment, a story, an experience where, because um, I think anyone that goes to achieve great things was always tested. Like they were, all, there was always a moment where like the conviction was like almost starting to waver a little bit. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was tested. Take me back to a moment in your life where you just felt, you just felt like. It felt a bit hopeless. It felt like a bit like, is this shit working out? Um, what was the context of that moment? And then what, what came out of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, there's, I, I can't count the amount of times that I cried to myself on is, uh, am I doing what I want to be doing? And what I, uh, what I mean by that is like in the heyday of really, my time assisting Gary on his journey, um, you know, he had standards of like the work ethic and work output because that's what he was about. And I loved the work and I loved the um, being of service. Like to me, being of service is the thing I enjoy the most. I learned that from my mom. You know, if there's room for the heart, there's room in the house. Like if you get a good waiter at a restaurant compared to a shitty one, the impact that that can have on people's lives. So like being of service was really like the heart of, I think my like career at Vayner. Mm. 
because I see myself, if I'm of service of Gary, AJ, the larger company, like, man, that company and those people are having a lot of positive impact on the world. And mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy being of service to them and their mission. Like, and back to like the entrepreneur thing, like my, I don't sit here. Like my mission is like the same of like Gary's of like impacting people and, and all those things. What I'm, I enjoy is being in service of AJ Gary and the larger company because I, I know the work that we're doing is helping drive change, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think what you were asking me is like some of the tougher times has been like when it's not a hype moment, when there's not some glitz and glam going on when it's not filming planet of the apps or flying to australia for speaking tour or launching new sneakers or all the crazy cool shit that we've been able to do you go to card shows travel the world watch gary speak in front of thousands of people the things that like give you like the high like the moments that no one realizes the the average tuesday where you're just mm. like grinding it out like 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings when I was 25, 26, mm. and just at times felt like I just wanted to be chilling. Mm. It was like the debate of like, how do I want to take my foot off the gas? Mm. And and like the interest, but like like I didn't know, and that's what gave me the most anxiety because like. It wasn't um, that we have standards. And it's not that like if you don't want to be about those standards that you're a bad person. It's that like then maybe this isn't the environment for you. And I was like just trying to navigate that for a while in my like mid-20s as a lot of my friends and myself were having a good time, you know. And it's like, oh, I work to party or work to enjoy myself or yada, yada versus like work plus life equals balance so it was just the unforeseen moments of like damn it's re like yo yeah there's real work like that can be done and you can really push yourself more than you believe and there's always gonna be moments where you question it and i went through a lot of those and would like cry because there's nowhere to turn other mm. than just quitting mm. and it's like not sure so you know, I don't, that, that would be my answer. Like you can persevere and, and persistence is the, is the answer. But like, I got to imagine there's times where LeBron sat in his room and was like, I don't know if I want to do this shit. Mm. Mm. But then showed the hell up and kept doing it. Mm. So that for me, it's funny. Like my, uh, my parent, uh, you know, family trips are a big thing mm. in life, right? You go yeah. on vacation with the fam. Um, and this, like, whatever. My family went on a trip to Europe. And it was, like, a big trip for us. My mom lived in Europe for a while. And, like, they were going to, like, see where she spent a lot of her time. And uh, it was the same weekend that we were moving into our new office in Hudson Yards. Mm. And... Uh, I didn't go on a trip with my fam. I mm. stayed back 
to help with the move. And like, it was like, yo, this is a major historic moment in the journey of our business and our company. And I want to be a part of it because I feel if I'm not, it's so, like, it's just the vibrations of me and the company might just be off or different. Mm. And uh, that was a really tough decision to make. And just this morning, my parents were on my family thread. They're making inside jokes from that trip. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to live with that forever. And at the time, I was, fuck, like, sacrifice and hard work and, and all that. And so there's just, like, the micro moments of, like, is questioning, are you truly on the path you want to be on? And, and you know, is this the work I want to be doing? Mm. And there was just like some pockets and it, it can pop up every now and again, but that hasn't been for a while because I've worked through those. Mm. You know, um, one thing I, I've noticed just from my own journey is when you do have like those kind of darker moments or those moments of doubt, I just feel like shit becomes like real simple. Like you just start to get to the reasons of like, like, why am I really doing this? Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting when you say the thing of like, um, when you only have one decision to make, it's like, do I keep doing this thing or do I quit? Yeah. Like shit is real simple. And there's usually something, there's like a, there's a principle, there's an ambition, there's something about your life, which is kind of, it guides it. It just overpowers everything else. And you're right. like, okay, I'm going to carry on or like, fuck this, I'm going to go do something else. and in those moments, in those moments that you mention, what was the one thing that overcame everything else? And you were like, okay, it's difficult right now, but I'm going to keep pushing forward. What was that one thing? Um, it was probably the, I think for me, it was just like, belief in self hmm. like i can do it hmm. like like just like self-doubt versus confidence hmm. and like you know because when i left my first job after graduating college three months in I was really like, yo, I cannot, I will, I cannot, I will not be happy. Like I cannot do this. And that wasn't like a work ethic thing. That was just like, a, this is not how I want to spend my time. Mm. The other part was like, this is really hard. Like this is what I want to be doing. It's just really hard. Do I want to be making these sacrifices? And, um, and so it was just like, it came down to like, you can do it. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that maybe is something that is inside everyone of like, you know what you can do and what you want to be doing. Are yeah. you willing to go there for like yourself? Yeah. yeah. Whereas like, I was not, I, I cannot work in restaurants. Like, I do not enjoy my time like being in the kitchen. I stick to this day, hate doing the dishes more than anything. You know what I'm saying? And so like, yeah. but it was just like self-belief. Like I'm not quitting because I don't want to be doing it. I'm quitting it because it's hard and oh shit. You know what? I can, I can work through that. 
Yeah. Man, you know, um, I, I remember I was explaining, I was saying this to my mom about uh, the agency that I'm trying to build right now. Because it's one of those things like the podcast at this point, uh, I love doing it so much. And kind of the foundation of it has been built to a point where I'm like, it's really just about time. Mm -hmm. It's just keep putting in the reps. When you talk about Joe Rogan, it's like he's done over a thousand episodes. Mm -hmm. So I think about that. I'm like, he's published over a thousand. He's probably recorded. He's published over a thousand. He's probably recorded at least 1500. And he's got multiple different podcasts. Mm. You know, and like the MMA joint alone, he's putting yeah. up numbers. And there's the Joe Rogan experience. So like... A mm. hundred. So it's like, it's like for me, I'm so early. I'm so early when you, if you use that as the context, it's so early. So it's just time. The agency thing for me is like, you know, those, those, those things that they just, it's like, it just feels challenging. And you're like trying to figure it out. And as you're trying to figure out the nuts and bolts of what it takes to run a successful agency, you're also uh, confronted with like your own self-doubt. And like, can I, like, I've not done this before. Like, can I get it done kind of thing? It's almost, it reminds me of like the NBA player who, uh, they're like a multiple time all-star. And I'm not saying that I'm this, but like they're a multiple time all-star. They've got the MVP. They've won everything in the game, but they haven't won the ring yet. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and you can almost. Jimmy you, Butler? Yeah. Although to be honest though, that guy's just a killer. I, I think he they is. care. He I, don't, I don't really think he's wrestling. Maybe he is. No, I don't think so. Probably yeah. not. But certain players like I, uh, probably for LeBron, probably for LeBron when he had that, that season, uh, his first season with the Heat, when they lost against the Mavs. I'm sure there was a part of him because I remember listening to interviews with people and they were like after he lost that series against the Mavs mm -hmm. shit got real fucking dark yeah and I think the reason it got dark is because and he would spend a lot of time in like isolation yeah and I think it was because it came down to a game of like you versus you mm -hmm. of like it was pure just can he get it done that he didn't need teammates. He didn't need organization. Like everything was in place. It was purely like, does he truly believe he's the guy that can lead a title winning team? Yeah. And I think it's the same even for me uh, with my agency. And it sounded like the same for you, which is like, sometimes, sometimes it, just, it just feels real personal. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the only thing, I, everything around me is here to get it done. It's just, I want to prove it. I want to prove to myself that like, I'm the guy, like who I am, who I thought I am. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. I think I, I know how it's going to play out. I have confidence for it. Um, before we get out of here, I want to talk about uh, VCon. Mm -hmm. I know you just got back. Um, yeah, man, just tell me about it. How was it? It was there's an unbelievable um, three-day weekend. VCon is a conference that Gary has been putting on, Gary V. Uh, it is, we just wrapped up the second year of it. Mm. Um, it was launched in accordance with our launch of VFriends. And um, VFriends is a character-based intellectual property that um, we own. Gary created about, I think it's 250 roughly, um, maybe characters. A number might be wrong. Um, uh, that is the, the 
the mission of it is to help pretty much bring positivity, optimism, um, and these different uh, traits that are um, attractable into the world. And so these characters, we kind of launched the project on the back of um, NFTs and digital collectibles. And those NFTs and digital collectibles served as a ticket to the conference mm. for three years. That was kind of the contract of of um, of those collectibles and, and how we launched them. So we just had the second year. It was in Indianapolis. Um, at uh, the first one was in uh, Minnesota at the Viking Stadium. This was at Lucas Oil at the Colts Stadium. Uh, three day super conference. First day is an outdoor like traditional field day um, with a lot of the different uh, pretty much field day type games, food trucks, drinks, networking, what have you. Um, and then the next two days were inside in the stadium. Um, speakers we had over 200 speakers from all walks of business life style culture fashion you know um and tech what have you um as well as different areas in terms of kind of vendors and and some kind of like uh, thrifting we had kind of um, the vendors come in of other businesses to be able to showcase what they were up to um and overall just like a a, a a networking super conference. Um, and it was amazing. Um, first year we probably had about 6,000 attendees. I think this year it was somewhere around like 5,500. So slight, mm -hmm. slightly uh, less. Um, but just a, an absolute, like very, a ton of people that see actual positive, things in the world and optimistically approach business or whatever their craft might be getting together mm. to learn from each other, to network with each other, to generally help, you know, spread that energy, uh, kind of larger and throughout the world. And it, it was, uh, it was really cool. It was mm. really special. Yeah. I mean, Same. Jessica Alba, Drew Barrymore, Gary was speaking, Jesse Itzler, um we have entertainment so every night is the first night buster rhymes performed at the end of the night second night um andrew shoals had a big comedy set mm. third night was jordan sparks um so it's like got a little bit of like everything i mean we see it as the modern day new age south by southwest or you know has a little complex con to it like um our annual version of getting the network that Gary's built and everyone built together to uh, learn from each other and just be open-minded and curious about shit. Mm. Now that's sick. And some of the guests you mentioned as well, I'm like, um, it's funny when I started this podcast, there was like certain names that I'm like, they have to come on at some point in the history of this. Thing. Yeah. And I was like, Andrew Schultz. Like I've been following that guy yeah. for so long. I'm like, Peace. he will come on. And he's in, he's in New York as well. Um, before we actually get into the conference itself, I want to ask you about NFTs. And here's how I want to set it up, which is like, I remember maybe it was a year, 18 months ago, NFTs was like all the rage. Like people were just starting projects and they were blowing up just because it was like an NFT. Um, now I feel like the new thing is like AI. Like mm -hmm. everyone's talking AI. Everyone wants to start an AI business. And I feel like the sentiment um, is almost like, oh yeah, NFTs, like it's kind of dead. Like it just didn't, like no one cares about that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 
except Nike, who's rolling out a massive project and continuing to do so on a daily basis. Yeah. So talk about it. Give me, give me, give me your People take. Is like NFT's to dead? headline read and speculate and want things fast. Mm. And so that's why we keep moving from one kind of thing to the next. Whether you know, like NFTs, AI, doom and gloom. Now AI is going to ruin the world. You know, and we're all going to die because the robots are going to wake up one day and kill us. And it's like just sensationalist stuff. Mm. And so, I mean, with NFTs, like blockchain, I think is a very powerful technology. You worked at Rally. People collect shit. People collect the Otis, I was things. at Otis. You were at Otis. You were at Otis. Yeah. My bad. Um, Can't be reffing the ops yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Nah, that's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> that's my bad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I remember the first fucking conversation we ever had and where I was sitting and we talked about some football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> blockchain technology is massive. People collect things. There was a lot of money and speculation and the time it was a crazy time of unknown in those two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's no different than when the internet came out and pets.com was going banana land and went to zero. I mean... Elizabeth Holmes just went into jail for 11 years. Theranos, some of the best investors in the world, wrote $10 million checks into the company. Like It's just a forever thing of speculation, and that's what I think led to a lot of boom in the market. But over the next 10 to 15 years, like everyone is going to engage with blockchain technology. And a lot of the things that will be transacted on top are in the form of NFTs. Mm. What gives you that confidence? Why do you feel so confident? Um, why do I feel so confident that people are going to use blockchain technology? More so NFTs than blockchain, I guess. Well, because I think that there's just too much value that can be created in it. Like, um, and things are moving digitally, like in a crazy way. So going to a sporting event. My whole life, we never bought tickets before. My dad, we'd always have to scalp forever. Like my dad would never buy tickets. Like I went to probably 50 Yankee games with my dad growing up. We'd never one time bought tickets before being outside the Yankee stadium to buy the tickets. Mm. Just don't exist anymore. Like now it's digital. And so this, like there's just value that can be created when it's not a random object that's floating around and can be fake or, you know, unverified. Mm. Um, And so I think it'll, the, the blockchain is the ultimate truth the mm. ultimate like you can't debate it mm. it can't an inscription can't be changed and um i think trust is a major factor and so i just mm. we spend the most of our time digitally there's an immense amount of unknown on digital and blockchain brings like truth and authentication to digital mm. Nice. Okay, I want to get into the I want to get into the conference itself actually, mm-hmm. uh, and your experience. And um, you know, like sometimes you you go and hear someone speak, and maybe you even hear uh, different speakers all in one night or in one day. And there can be like amazing speakers. Maybe they have incredible delivery. The way they're charismatic, like yeah. just the way they talk. You're like, oh, this is fire. But then there are certain people that they just, they just say some shit that just like resonates with you. Yeah. Like, and, it, and it's interesting, like there will be things that 
you might even remember it a year on. Mm -hmm. You might remember that moment when someone said that on stage and you were like, that hit. Like, mm -hmm. it's almost like a breakthrough in your mind. Like, they just, they connected the dots. I'm curious if you had that experience at, um, at VCon. Was there someone that you heard and they just, and maybe it wasn't even just one thing. It was the speech overall. Mm -hmm. uh, just what they said, it just resonated. Like, who was that person and what did they say? To be honest, there wasn't because I didn't, I didn't have the time to listen to many mm. um, talks. For me, it was just being able to like link up with a ton of people that I know through the internet and mm. got to meet them in person and um, further develop our relationship. So like, I, you know, the, there, there wasn't um, any moment where I was listening to someone speak and was like, damn, because I didn't listen to many speakers. Mm. Like probably the coolest moment for me was watching my homie Andy, who's the president of V Friends, who started as an intern for $7 an hour working for Gary, is now the president of a company that got valued at 1B um, within 10 years that I've worked my ass off with. Like just being able to watch him do his thing was like, the coolest to me mm. um you know and then to see what it's like one of those moments where yeah we've worked for 10 years and then you're all of a sudden there and like damn where'd this shit all come from mm. and it's like just from the output on a daily basis um or seeing people like maybe that have gotten through some obstacles and were there and pumped to be there so there was no moment. It was just seeing the culmination of people that I work with a lot on a daily basis, like in their element and mm -hmm. like all the hard work coming to fruition. That was, that's the thing that I'll always take away from that. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Yeah. I'm curious when you reflect on your, and I even reflect, just look forward. You ever think about your next 10 years and like where you'll be? Not really. Hmm. Not really. I don't, like I never, never really have. Hmm. Because, I like to try to stay open to everything as much as possible until I need to make a decision. Mm. So I don't, I like really don't map out. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I've never done the, like, what do you want to do in five years? And mm. work backwards from that. Like, maybe it's because I just, I think generally have a, a like an understanding. Like, I just, <laughs> another Gary clip comes into my head I want to just be happy and healthy that's what I want to do in 10 years mm. and that's a culmination of just like the micro things every day mm. you know um, it's something obviously that Gary's famous for um, he always talks about like owning the jets yeah and uh, it's funny because I've, I've heard him say it so many times and I've heard him even say it's like I don't even really care about owning the Jets per se. It's the pursuit yeah, yeah, yeah. of owning the Jets. Is there anything like that in your mind where it's like this thing which just seems crazy? It's almost like childlike. It's the sort of thing yeah. that you would say as a kid. Having kids probably. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is that so meaningful? I just grew up in a very big family and like uh, I, you know, my mom like just gave pretty much away her whole life to raising the three of us. And I've got a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles. My dad was one of nine. And I just think there's like something super special about family and 
I'm part of a very big one and like I want to continue to grow that family and like I just I really want to like bring my kid to soccer practice <laughs> you know like I don't know it's just like that that's that's like the only like that's something that I feel like and I don't know when that may be but that's something that I've always like very much looked forward to mm. um that 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 would be like the one answer but I don't I won't sit here and be like it would I want it to happen within 10 years mm. there's no time on it yeah there's no timeline but that's like something that very much like that's the thing that i would say i'm pumped about yeah yeah okay here's, here's where i want to end if you had um let's go to that moment where you have kids you have a son you have a daughter and you've lived this life like you have an experience you have all of these experiences uh things you've learned trials and tribulations mistakes you've made regrets and you're just thinking about if I just wanted to pass on something into my kids and make sure that they could really just take this lesson and understand this and carry it through their life. And it was just, it was just one thing. What comes to mind for you, which is like, I just want my child to understand this principle. You're not better than anybody. Hmm. Like on the core level of human life, like you're just not better than anybody. And everyone's got their like rhyme or reason as to why they may be where they are, but like you're not better than anybody. Like there's no reason that. Yeah, like the postman or the dude driving the ice cream truck, right? Like I'm grateful because my father, talked about my mom a good bit, my dad would far rather like. He was homies with those people. Mm. And we were around like a lot of like he would far rather be chilling with the uh maintenance dude than the president of whatever. Mm. And um so I I think that that gave me the like, you know, you can work for things in a different manner, but like that doesn't make you better just on the fundamental human level than other people. Hmm. I love it, man. That is a wrap. It's been a pleasure, my man. My guy. <laughs> Appreciate you, bro. It was great having you on, man. Dude, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel. We're having fire conversations every week on the podcast. Before we end the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Free Agency. What if I told you there is a good chance you're leaving money on the table in your career? It would kind of annoy you a bit, right? Well, Free Agency aims to stop that. They represent and manage talent in the tech industry. Here's how they do it. First, they provide you with a dedicated talent agent. Think about this as your career quarterback. They understand you and your career goals. Based on that understanding, they bring you suitable interviews at top firms. You focus on smashing the interview and together with their network, research, negotiation expertise, they will make sure you get a top of market salary. Stop job searching alone and start building your dream career today with free agency.